We're in the fourth week of a series looking at the simple fact that life is complicated. Life is complicated. Like all great sages of history, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth cuts through the complexity with simple but profound wisdom. But unlike all the great sages of history, he alone claimed to be God. And if his claims are true, then his wisdom has eternal consequences and brings lasting rewards. He offers us wisdom that is simple and easy to understand, but not easy to apply. It's not easy because it challenges us. It challenges us to grow spiritually and emotionally. His wisdom and insight into human nature challenges us to change from the inside out. It's a challenge to our character. So his teachings are not easy at first, but over time they can become easier and set us up for more successful living. In this series we've talked about the issue of addressing the person who's wronged us one on one rather than talking to everybody else about the person who wronged us. And while it's difficult to do, it's much easier than living with the drama and trauma that ultimately comes from gossip and dysfunction. Two weeks ago, we looked at the issue of forgiveness. Forgiveness. And we cleared up any misunderstanding about forgiveness by looking at the parable of the unforgiving servant, where we learned forgiveness is simply canceling a debt. Forgiveness is simply canceling a debt. Forgiveness doesn't say what others did was right or that it didn't matter. It isn't even necessarily about reestablishing relationships. It cancels a debt so we can live in freedom. And while forgiveness can be cha challenging, it's much easier than carrying around the baggage of bitterness and bad feeling that flow from unforgiveness. Then last week we looked at the issue of envy. We said jealousy is simply wanting something that someone else has. It's inevitable, it's commonplace, it's not particularly serious as long as we keep it in check. Envy is different. It's different and it's darker. It not only wants what you have, it doesn't want you to have it at all. Envy is often masked with a cover argument of fairness. But really, it's not about fair. It's about being upset at what others have that we don't. And the solution to envy is very simple. Rather than focusing on God's generosity toward others, we look at His generosity toward us and praise and thank Him for His goodness. Praise opens prison doors. That's a song we're singing at communion time during this, this series. Praise opens prison doors. We praise and thank God for His generosity towards us, and it releases us from the prison of envy. Today we're going to look at the key to all these simple but not especially easy practices. Through these weeks, you may have found yourself agreeing with what we've said. You might have thought, yes, I should go talk to 
Him. I should forgive her. I should praise God because of all the blessings that He's given. But you didn't. You haven't. You don't. So, we're going to take some time to look at a simple story from the Gospel to help us out. We find this story in the 21st chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus shares this story just after His triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. While the crowds welcomed Him enthusiastically, He's met only with envy and contempt by the religious leaders and the political leaders. They're envious of His popularity, and their feeling only intensifies after Jesus, in a famous episode, cleanses the temple, overturning the tables of the corrupt money changers. The religious leaders question Jesus' authority to undertake such an action. Who do you think you are? They ask Him. And as is typical of the wisdom and wit of Jesus, He actually doesn't answer their question. He's wise enough and poised enough and courageous enough to answer their question with another question, a question of His own that comes as an introduction to the story. Jesus said, what is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said, I will not. But afterwards, he changed his mind. We live in a culture where children tell their parents no all the time. However, in that culture at that time, it was just expected that children were unquestionably obedient. Think about that, unquestionably obedient. So, it's a bit shocking that this son says no. A disrespect and defiance that was more than incredibly uncommon. It was simply unheard of. Yet, despite his reply, the son changed his mind. He repents. The son repents and realizes that he should respect his father's wishes. He realizes the error of his ways and obeys. He repents of what he wanted to do and embraces what the Father wanted him to do. Next, Jesus introduces another son, a second son. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, yes, sir, but did not go. He answers with respect, but his actions don't match his words. While he respects his father with his words, he doesn't respect his father with his actions. So, he doesn't really respect his father. The prophet Isaiah, centuries earlier, predicted exactly this kind of situation. In anticipating the nation of Israel generally, and specifically the religious leaders of Jesus' day, Isaiah wrote, These people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's easy to follow the example of the second son, isn't it? Just saying yes to people, especially people we don't even care about because we just want them to leave us alone or get out of the way or go away. So then Jesus asked the leaders, which of the two did the Father's will? They answered, the first. It's a simple question and a simple answer. Of course, the son who did the Father's will actually did what the Father asked him to do. 
the religious leaders were probably thinking, what a stupid question. Why is he even asking us that question? Then, Jesus, whose story has set a trap for these guys, goes, goes ahead and springs the trap. He says, Amen, I say to you. Tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John the Baptist came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him. But tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even then, you didn't change your minds. Jesus' declaration would have been like a thunderbolt, a tremendous denunciation to the religious leaders who saw themselves at the top of the social order, the first in line when it came to favor before God. But Jesus announces that tax collectors and prostitutes, people at the very bottom of the social order, the last in line, were actually ahead of these religious leaders and clergy. It was a stunning, jaw-dropping announcement. And Jesus uses their rejection of John the Baptist as proof. Even when John's preaching and teaching led to life change and was so effective and incredible in the life of the community, they didn't believe his message and they didn't care. On the surface, this seems beside the point, but there was complete continuity between John the Baptist's work and Jesus' work. And Jesus is making the point to these leaders that they keep putting themselves at odds with God. They aren't really open to what God is doing. They're opposed to John, they're opposed to Jesus. Despite all their knowledge of Scripture and tradition, despite their religious rule-keeping, they're like the son who disobeys the father because they won't change their minds. On the other hand, the people who are repenting, who are changing their minds, who realize their way isn't working so well for them, are like the first son. Despite their past faults and failures, tax collectors and prostitutes, people who seemed the most at odds with God, the last in line, are winning favor with God because they've chosen to surrender their will to His will. You know, no matter who you are or what you've done or what choices you've made, you can change your mind. You can always change your mind. And a simple change of mind can open you up to God's favor in a powerful way. God's favor that Jesus consistently called the kingdom of heaven. What's that? What's the kingdom of heaven? Well, when we use that phrase, kingdom of heaven, we don't just mean going to heaven when you die. Yes, there is a place of eternal re reward called heaven. But the kingdom of heaven, Jesus talked about all the time, is not just a place of rewards after you die. It's a place of blessing while you're alive. The kingdom of heaven is anywhere that God rules and God reigns. It's where we're best positioned to receive the blessings that can only come from God. Blessings the world cannot give, blessings the world cannot take away. Probably the ultimate key to making our lives simpler and easier is to just 
change our mind, surrendering our will to God's will. Instead of placing our wants and our wills at the center of our lives, we strive to put God there instead. And of course, as always, that begins in prayer. Jesus' own prayer, his last prayer, the night before he died, not my will, but thy will be done, which is the basis of our most basic prayer, the Our Father. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So today, we want to give you a kind of special opportunity to open yourselves to God's will in and through prayer. Maybe over the course of this series, you found yourself wanting to handle conflict in a healthier way, wanting to finally forgive someone, wanting to praise God for His blessings, but you just haven't found yourself doing that. Or maybe you feel conviction to go ahead and change your mind and surrender your will to God's will. So after Mass today, members of our prayer team will be available to help you out and do just that. They'll be here in front of the altar, and you can come forward with any prayer requests you have, spoken or unspoken. Specifically, you might want to pray about rebuilding a relationship, letting go of envy, canceling a debt. Our team can pray with you, over you, or for you. Also this week, the new and unique opportunity I'm kind of excited about. We've been test driving an electronic prayer kiosk. How about that? An electronic prayer kiosk out on the con colonnade. And thanks to the wizardry of our tech guys, it is now fully operational. If you'd like to, somebody was going to clap. Great. <laughs> Haven't even tried it here, clap. If you'd like to join us in prayer for others or submit a special prayer request for yourself, take a look and give it a try. We have ministers out there to help you handle the technology. Repentance. Repentance is a kind of fancy church word that can scare people with a threat of dire consequences, absent a total surrender, a dramatic conversion, you know, this is the end is near, repent and be saved, fire and brimstone kind of approach that I think is somewhat of a misunderstanding. Repentance is simply a change of mind. It's a, simply a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change of behavior. And that exercise, repeated often enough, can change your life. Hey everyone, thanks for watching with us today. Hit that subscribe button right now so you don't miss a single thing. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples simply by sharing this video. We are so grateful you're part of our community.